You're listening to the podcast version of the Recruit of Talionis audiobook. I'm your narrator, writer, and host, award-winning author C.J. Malasi. Each week, we'll bring you further into the mysterious and dangerous dystopian world of Talionis and Bria's fight for survival. And we're kicking off this podcast a few days before the audiobook officially releases so that you can get a taste of the story. This podcast will drop a new episode every day for the first week until the full audiobook releases on October 6, 2023. After that, you can tune in each Friday to hear the next chapter in this story. Now, let's dive in. Chapter 7 They lead us out of the building and instruct us to speed walk down a short path to another building one soldier refers to as the recruit living quarters. Once inside, the female soldiers guiding us bring us to the right wing of the building where there's a long hallway with open doors on either side leading to cramped rooms with three or four beds. Nameplates on the doors indicate which recruits are assigned to which room, and though I know it's going to happen, my stomach still drops when I approach a room halfway down the hall with my name on it. Everything about this shows they were preparing for us, and the knowledge doesn't comfort me. I pause at the doorway. Enter your room, recruit, a nearby soldier says. She doesn't shout at the same volume as the other soldiers, but her words are firm and leave no room for argument. I walk into the room and find Ari and Nika already inside. I approach the third bed in the space and drop my spare uniform onto it. Guess we're roommates. Nika makes a sound in the back of her throat. If we're going to be associated with each other, please try not to get into too much trouble. I roll my eyes, but without any annoyance. A part of me is relieved to be with Nika and Ari. I don't know them well at all, but somehow I've connected with them through the trauma of our arrival in this place. They're tracking us. Do you think they're listening to us too? I ask. Not in here, Ari says. I scrambled the frequencies using a feature I found on the band so we can speak freely. I stare at her, not comprehending anything she just said, but she doesn't notice. Her back is to me and Nika as she straightens the already perfectly straight sheets on her bunk. Her bed's not far from the one I'm sitting on. Nothing in the room is far away. It's only big enough for the three beds and dressers in it. The walls and ceilings are white. The dressers and beds are black. There aren't any windows in here, making the space feel even more confined. I've never seen anything like this place, I say. Tell me about it, Nika agrees. Even the lights are weird. Nothing like the lanterns I'm used to. I sigh. I miss the soft glow of lantern light. You use lanterns? Ari faces us. Nika and I both nod. I knew different parts of the country had different tech, but I had no idea there were areas without electricity. Ari says the words almost to herself. What did you use? I ask. Lights, like these. Ari waves her hands at the lighting in the ceiling. Dozens of questions leap to mind. But then Ari tucks her lip between her teeth and drops onto her bed. What are they planning to do with us? The urge to spring up from my bed and sprint from the room fills me. 
but I stay seated. Ari's question makes sense, but I don't want to think about it, reason it out, because that will make it even more real. Seems like they're going to try to make us into something, Nika says. My hands grip my blanket. I don't want to be made into something. Based on Laban's little performance and Colonel Valerius's failure to even attempt to restrain him, their plans aren't for our benefit. Ari's forehead wrinkles. I keep hoping this is some kind of mistake and they're gonna send us home. But it isn't, is it? Play with your band thing. Nika ignores the question and its obvious answer. Us speculating about all of this isn't going to help until we know more. But you said I couldn't analyze my Halo Act band in the room anymore, Ari says. My eyebrows rise and I can't help but wonder why Nika made the rule. If you can manage to look at it without exclaiming over every little thing you find, you can play with it. Analyze it, Ari corrects absently as she pushes a button on the band and brings it to life. Whatever, Nika shrugs at me. I smirk. Ari is unique. That's for sure. Pounding on the wall outside of our room causes me to spring to my feet. I sway as my vision darkens and then clears, a headache pounding behind my eyes. Chow time! One of the soldiers shouts from the hallway. Out of your rooms and in the hall now! Nika and I head for the door, but Ari smooths her sheets where she sat. In another time and place, I would find her quirks amusing. Maybe even tease her about it if I knew her better. But right now, I'm almost afraid for her and what the soldiers will do if she delays too long. Come on, Ari, I say. Nika is halfway out the door and glances back, eyes wide. When Ari moves to straighten the final wrinkle, I grab her arm and pull her out of the room. I wasn't finished, she protests with a scowl that reminds me of Eli when he doesn't get his way. A pang ricochets through my chest at the thought of my brother, but I push it back. Girl, your bed is fine, Nika says out of the corner of her mouth. It's better when everything is tidy, Ari says. A soldier down the hall bangs against the door several times. What is the delay? Move, move, move. She enters and a moment later drags a girl from the room and slams her against the wall. When we give you an order, you obey. She leans into the girl's face, screaming the words. The girl is trembling, but gives a quick nod. Don't give us a reason to notice you again. Understood? Another nod from the girl, whose face is almost as pale as the white wall behind her. I need a response, recruit. Yes, ma'am, the girl says, her voice small and quavering in the hallway silence. The soldier stares at her for another second and then steps away. What are you all staring at? To the dining hall. Now! She points past us and down the hall, and she, along with several other soldiers, heard us in that direction. I pass a door marked stairs, and there are signs directing the way to various rooms and meeting areas. But the soldiers keep us moving too fast for my mind to process any of it. I want to slow down. Collect each detail. Find the mistakes they don't know about. This can't be the end. This can't be my life. When we arrive at the dining hall, which is in the same building as our living quarters, I hesitate. 
I don't want to go in. I don't want to hear any more of what these people have to say. And I don't want to be given orders to follow. But I need to know what's going on to find some answers. And I'll follow the orders they give me if it means being better prepared for when I can escape. I inhale, exhale, and step into the room with the rest of the recruits. Nika and Ari are ahead of me now, but I find I don't mind the solitude. The dining hall is as big as the first room they brought us to. Tables and chairs fill the space with one long stretch of tables running through the center. Several doors line the back wall and the faint aroma of food wafts through the air. The soldiers instruct us to find our seats and await further instructions. Then they drift to the edges of the room. I pass tables crowded with recruits, some talking, others silent, but I don't see Shay, Nika, or Ari. And right now, I don't have the energy to engage with new people. I find an empty table at the back and settle into a seat. The cool metal of the table beneath my hands draws my attention. It's solid, real, and as much as I want to leave, pretend none of this is happening. I know it's not possible. If I left today, at this moment, everything I've already experienced would mark me. That's what trauma does. I stare at my hands. They're shaking. I squeeze them together, trying to still them. It doesn't work, so I drop them into my lap to keep anyone else from noticing. Even if I denied it all day, there's the proof I'm afraid. I hate it. Several men and women enter through the back doors, carrying trays of food. They set them on the center table and leave as others take their place. My stomach churns as the smell of the food takes over the room. I rest my hand on my abdomen, hoping it will help. It doesn't. At home, when my stomach is sick, my mom always fixes me some tea with mint leaves from the garden. My stomach protests again, but images of my family parade through my mind. I swallow the lump in my throat. My eyes burn, so I squeeze them shut. No, I can't let this happen. My emotions, the pain of thinking about my family, I can't let it overwhelm me. I take a deep breath and force the thoughts away. The same thing I've always done whenever it hurts too much to think about Esri. Thinking about my family here will only distract me, and I can't afford any distractions. I need to be focused to find a way to escape. Three slow breaths later, I open my eyes. Listen up, a woman who brought food in says. Conversations stop as everyone turns their attention to her. The food has been served. Please line up on either side of the tables and fill your plates. Someone will be in shortly to instruct you on what you'll be doing next. She leaves through the back doors. Recruits stand and line up to get food, and I rise from my chair and fall into line with the rest of them. Platters of eggs, bacon, shredded potatoes, bowls of fruit and sweet rolls fill the table. I haven't eaten since the festival, which... Has to have been over 24 hours ago now. I should be starving. The food should look great, but it doesn't. Nothing is as it should be. I add a few things to my plate, 
not even filling it halfway, and head back to my table. Bria, over here, Ari calls. I pivot at the sound of her voice and find her a few tables away, half out of her seat, waving at me. Nika is there as well as two guys, both with freshly shaved heads. I head toward her, almost relieved to not have to go sit by myself. I looked over to say something to you when we walked in here, but you were gone, Ari says as soon as I sit down. I offer a half smile, but say nothing. Oh, this is my brother, Bryson. Ari points to the boy sitting next to her. I tilt my head at Bryson in acknowledgement of the introduction. The blonde fuzz on his head and his blue eyes are a striking match to his sister's, and he has the slight athletic build of a runner. He found me when I walked in here. Ari rests a hand on her brother's arm as she speaks. He gives Ari a small smile, the strain in his eyes not lessening the affection he has for his sister. And this is Shane Malton. She gestures to the boy sitting two seats away from me. We just met. The hint of a blush touches Ari's cheeks. Hey, Shane says before taking a bite of his slightly burnt toast. Chiseled features, light brown hair, and deep brown eyes set off Shane's good looks. He sits tall and has a confident air about him. Nice to meet you guys, I say. The matter's automatic. Wish it was under better circumstances, though, huh? Bryson replies with a choked chuckle. I hear that. Nika lifts her fork in the air. I stab a forkful of cooling eggs and force myself to eat. They taste like sawdust in my mouth, and I reach for my water. Maybe the sweet roll will taste better. I pick it up and pull off a chunk. Shay approaches with her plate of food and sits next to me, and I'm shocked at the comfort I feel at seeing her. This is Shay. We're not friends. But I know her. She's from home, and right now, that alone is enough. Ari goes through another round of introductions. Then she focuses on Bryson, discussing the features she's discovered on her band as he eats his food. You doing okay? I ask Shay. She stiffens. I'm fine. Okay then, I say, unsure why I thought it was a good idea to care. Then she sighs. Sorry, it's a lot to process. I don't understand what's going on or even how they took us from Derby in the first place. Yeah, I can't figure that out either. Have you seen anyone else from home? She shakes her head. The door to the dining hall is thrust open and I drop the piece of roll I was about to eat. The room goes quiet. Sergeant Andor Valerius and Laban walk in, their footsteps thundering in the sudden silence. They stop several feet into the room, Laban in front, Sergeant Valerius slightly behind and to the left. Listen up, Laban bellows. Mealtime is over. I glance at my plate. Most of the food remains, but we've only been in here for about 15 minutes. If you didn't finish, you'll learn to eat faster next time. You should all be observant enough to be aware of your unit number. If not, you won't last long, he scoffs. We'll divide you into groups and give you a tour of the city. Units one, two, and three, you're with me. Units four, five, and six, you're with Sergeant Valerius. He points at him with his thumb. My group! He turns and begins walking away. Let's go! They're scrambling all throughout the room as the recruits in units one, 
two, and three get up and shuffle past the rest in order to catch up to Laban. Everyone at my table remains seated. A quick glance at their uniforms shows Shay, Nika, Ari, and Shane are in my unit. Bryson's in unit four. The last of the first group of recruits leaves, but Sergeant Valerius says nothing. He studies the room, frowning. I can't pull my eyes away from the scar marring his face. It's hideous, frightening, and it begs to tell a story. One that I'm sure is unpleasant. Sergeant Valerius allows the silence to continue. A recruit nearby shifts nervously in his seat. Make two lines. Males on the left, females on the right. Sergeant Valerius finally says, his voice deep, commanding attention. Chairs screech, some even toppling as the couple hundred recruits move to do as instructed. I stand slowly, trying to maintain some sense of control and get in line behind Ari, who's standing behind Shay. We'll use a transport vehicle to conduct your tour of Talionis. It's like the one you arrived on. These are the rules you will follow during this tour. Do not speak unless spoken to. I don't want to hear any talking. If you have a question, stow it. It'll get answered eventually if it needs to, and I don't want to waste my breath as you try to figure out what's going on. Life changed. Deal with it. And finally, follow all instructions immediately. He clenches his jaw and his scar bunches, pulling his skin taut across his cheek. He surveys the two lines. Let's move out! I hope you're looking forward to continuing this story. There will be a new episode every day for the first week until the audiobook releases on October 6, 2023. Then you can tune in each Friday to hear the next chapter. Or if you just can't wait, you can purchase the full audiobook wherever audiobooks are sold once it's released. Recruit of Talionis was written and narrated by C.J. Malesi.